Welcome to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. Jackie Ressler, a divorce financial planner with almost 25 years experience, and myself, Melissa Fradenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. We are both certified divorce financial analysts and your co-hosts. If you're thinking about divorce or in the process of divorce, this is a time for you to take a deep breath and give yourself permission to gain clarity on the financial decisions you're facing. While the term wealth typically refers to money and possessions, we know that truly being wealthy means a whole lot more. Together with our guests on this podcast, we will help you live wealthy after divorce. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Wealthy After Divorce. This is Jackie Ressler, and I am so excited about this episode because my guest is Terry Altman, who um, has been in risk management um, and insurance for over 30 years. But I know Terry personally, um, and he actually was one of he was one of my first financial planning teachers. Um, he spent 15 years teaching financial planning candidates at Oakland University, and I was in one of those classes. And ever since then, I have always counted on Terry as the best and most excited expert about insurance that I know. Um, he currently is retired from consult from his practice, but he has his own business called Altman Financial, and he consults with financial advisors on risk management. So welcome, Terry. Well, it's great to be with you, Jackie. Looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. I'm so excited. Again, you are, I, I, we have to take more than one episode because you are just, you have so much knowledge on so many different insurance topics. But today we're going to be focusing on a topic that affects the gray divorce population. So yes. gray divorce for our listeners is anyone really who's over the age of 50. So um, since I fall into that category, I don't like that term necessarily, <laughs> but uh, what a new statistic that I just read is that 50% of all people getting divorced right now fall into that demographic of 50 and up. And long-term care insurance is something that so many of those people ask me about. What is long-term care insurance and who needs it? Okay. okay. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a very big question right there. That could take our whole time. <clears throat> okay. Long-term care refers to um, a scenario where a person needs uh, care that doesn't fall into the normal categories of medical care. Uh, in other words, uh, when we think of medic medical care, we think of uh, getting vaccinated or we think about uh, having a, a broken arm, you know, uh, put into a sling and that sort of thing. <clears throat> in the case of long-term care, what we're talking about when, uh, at least in a typical sense, we refer to what are called activities of daily living. And these are things that can become difficult as we age. Uh, so part of planning for the future, uh, and particularly when you're talking about a gray divorce population, uh, this is an issue because you you want to not just simply look at the next two to three years and figure out how you're going to make the mortgage payment. Right. You want to be further ahead and making a plan for what life looks like uh, post-divorce. <clears throat> now, the other trigger for uh, for a long-term care event is also directly what we call cognitive impairment. 
most commonly referred to as Alzheimer's, but there are other forms of cognitive impairment. Um, this can be uh, something that's more complicated than just simply forgetting where you put your car keys. Um, it can be forgetting to turn off the stove or forgetting to put your pants on before you go out to walk the dog, okay? Um, the point is when you kind of just simply forget stuff that's really important, uh, when you don't recognize your own kids uh, or your siblings, things like that. Uh, so these are among the things we think of as long-term care events because somebody's going to have to take care of you. Now, there are also uh, associated areas like that that have come into part of what we're talking about, uh, what we call independent living activities. Uh, for example, uh, can uh, an elderly person, can they use the telephone? Uh, can they shop for themselves? Can they prepare their own meals? Uh, can they uh, do housekeeping? Um, can they arrange transportation, even if they can't drive themselves, but can they arrange for transportation to get to a medical office or whatever else? Uh, can they be trusted or relied upon to take medications that, are, that they need for their own well-being? Uh, can they manage their own finances? Can they balance a checkbook? Uh, these are the sorts of events that may become more and more difficult uh, as people age. And so these are the sorts of things that we're going to be discussing now in terms of uh, planning for the fact that people do tend to lose some or multiple some of these abilities as they age. And are you saying that long-term care insurance covers that? So we're talking maybe home health care. Uh, yes. Generally speaking, what it, back in the 90s, it was frequently referred to as nursing home insurance. With right, the, yeah. Just to cover a nursing home expenditure. And uh, long-term care insurance would cover nursing home expenditures. But uh, because uh, this has become so much more common and it's so much more nuanced now than it used to be, um, almost all long-term care coverages now will cover in-home care. Uh, if you were to ask the typical person needing care, do you want to do this in a nursing home or do you want to do this at home? 90% of the time, people are going to say, I'd rather stay home if I can. And so the reality of this is that uh, good coverage is going to provide for care in the home, but it may supervise into a transition into a nursing home if that becomes necessary. Okay. And when we were talking earlier, you mentioned to me that there's like a certain what you would call a sweet spot for when is the right time to think about getting mm -hmm. long-term care. Right. Yeah, the the, uh, the speaking in purely insurance-related terms right now, probably the best time to be looking at this uh, is when a person is in, say, let may age mid-50s to mid-60s. Um, prior to mid-50s, um, it's number one, it's, it's kind of not top of mind for most people. Uh, because they're not really thinking about, well, I'm never going to get that old, you know. <clears throat> it's just kind of like you're resistant right. to the topic of gray divorce. We don't like to think of ourselves as getting older, but the fact is we all are day by day. Um, so uh, generally speaking, once a person arrives in their mid-50s, um, is probably the best time to be starting to shop for long-term care insurance for two reasons. Number one, because typically you've not had any major events that would make it difficult to be underwritten for coverage. Uh, just like life insurance or disability insurance, uh, an insurance company wants to underwrite their risk. And so if you are already in a situation where you're needing care, 
you may not be able to qualify. So the older you get, the less likely it is you would be able to qualify. But also there's a kind of a sweet spot of pricing, I would say. Uh, the sweet spot of pricing might be between age 58 and age 61 or 62 uh, would be probably when you're going to get the best deal, quote unquote. Okay. So not before. Um, you you might. Uh, you might very well. In particular, where where that can be very attractive is if you have uh, employer-provided coverage. Now, that's that's not the mo- a very common thing, but some people may actually have employer-provided uh, group long-term care. Uh, it's a great benefit if it is something that is provided for you. Um, and for those of uh, your listeners who may be who may still be corporate employees, uh, it's a it's worth inquiring of your uh, human resources department as to whether or not that may be available as a group benefit. So one of the things that you bring that you that when you say that that makes me think of is that a lot mm-hmm. of people that I work with that are getting divorced are women, and mm-hmm. they may not be the corporate employee. I mean, it, it doesn't yes. always work that way, but right. so it often occurs to me like. If I'm working with a 55-year-old or, let's say, a 60-year-old woman, um, Mm -hmm. that I'm always going to bring up, have we thought about long-term care insurance? Yes. And especially if the spouse has something Mm -hmm. offered through their employment, what would be the the next step for someone who's thinking about whether or not they should get long-term care insurance? That's a a very good question. Um, My advice in this matter would be... um, that once the terms of the divorce are clear, whether the divorce is finally filed or not, but once the financial terms of the divorce have become pretty well, it's pretty obvious how this is going to settle out. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important for the financial planner or the divorce financial analyst, in your case, uh, to make a an income or retirement income projection to try to determine uh, if uh, a point is uh, feasible going forward, that there's going to be sufficient income for the uh, for the client to be able to retire on a reasonably comfortable basis. Uh, that's probably a good time to say, okay, but what if? Um, you may recall, Jackie, when we were in, in our class, one of the things I said is that the risk manager is the guy that always looks for what can go wrong. So I'm the guy that goes around. I've got a little thunderstorm cloud. <laughs> I carry it everywhere I go. And I'm always looking for what's the disaster? What's the potential looming disaster here? And <clears throat> for a successful retirement income plan, more often than not, the one thing that will that will tank a retirement income plan is unexpected health care and unexpected long-term care expenditures. Let me, okay. let me so, tell a story there. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, that I think is worth your people hearing. Uh, I had a, a a longtime colleague of mine that I used to work with very closely. We were best of friends, played golf together all the time. Um, he was a successful businessman and had multiple businesses and and had done very well in life. Had you know a net worth well up into the millions. Um, and I remember talking with him about this. His mother was in a nursing home. And had been in a nursing home for years and years and years without assets. And my colleague, my friend, had been providing her long. And this was, she was on her eighth year in a nursing home. 
Wow. Life expectancy was 10 to 15 years longer. And he had already spent a million dollars on her long-term care. And the events that we're talking about were now 15 years ago. So if that were today, it would have been double that. The costs of long-term care are double what they were 15 years ago. So, I mean, we're talking about literally potential for millions of dollars of unanticipated expenditure, which could basically impoverish someone in their older age. It's a, this is this is a real serious issue. And particularly so, I think, for people that are exiting the, the financial tumult of a divorce, uh, it's not something that they should overlook. Right. And so I... If I can summarize, what you're saying is that once the divorce is done, mm-hmm. and I recommend this to everybody, that they go, they meet with a financial advisor, especially mm-hmm. if they haven't done so before, um, mm-hmm. but they prioritize that on their post-divorce to-do list. And then yes. they have the financial run of financial projection for them to say, mm-hmm. are you going to be okay in retirement? And then that's mm-hmm. the place that they want to bring up whether or not they need long-term care. I want to pose a different scenario to you, which is that when I'm involved in a divorce case, I'm like you, I, I never, I don't like to think about it, I guess, but I always have that same cloud over my head of what can go wrong to derail Mm -hmm. my client's settlement. Because Mm -hmm. what I'm looking at is I want to make sure that, you know, we, my clients spend a lot of time and effort trying to figure out what the best settlement for them is. And, um, and we advocate for that. So if, if it's possible that I think that they're going to need the long-term care, I need to make sure that's in their budget. I agree with you that this needs to be prioritized because it could derail the whole plan. Mistakenly, a lot of people think that Medicare will cover long-term care. And Medicare has only very, very limited coverage and only under very special circumstances. Okay. Medicare only covers nursing home care for a certain period of time only after a three-day hospital stay. So Medicare is only going to cover what we think of as nursing home after you've been in the hospital for three days because you broke your leg or because you had a heart attack or something like that, maybe a stroke, something like that, all right? It doesn't cover the vast majority of nursing home admissions, and it doesn't cover at-home care at all, not a next. All right. So the first thing that people need to recognize is Medicare is not going to help you. You cannot count on it. Medicaid can help you. And Medicaid, and I don't mean to be disparaging by saying it this way, but Medicaid is basically medical welfare for indigent people. It's for people that have nowhere else to turn. And in order to qualify for Medicaid, you have to spend down all your assets. And the Medicaid facilities, uh, if if push comes to shove and people go basically bankrupt financially paying for their long-term care, Medicaid does step in. It does provide care. It can be care at home. It can be care in a nursing home. But the, the nursing homes that accept Medicaid, generally speaking, are not the nicest homes. You don't get a choice as to where you go. You don't get a choice as to the quality of the care. And as I mentioned to you earlier, you don't even get a chance to pick uh, a Medicaid nursing home based upon whether it's close to your kids or not, or close to your loved ones, or close to your home base. Uh, You might be shipped off. It would be within your state, 
but it could be all the way across the state. Or I had a I had someone I knew uh, who had an elderly relative. They lived in they lived in southeastern Michigan, but the but mom was put in a Medicaid nursing home in the UP because that was where the nearest available bed was. So the Medicaid wow, that's awful. <clears throat> Medicaid is worse than nothing, but it's not always a, a lot better than nothing. So okay. it, you don't want to you you don't want that to be your first and only option. Let's put it that way. Okay, so if we, I'm sure that you have convinced everyone listening to this that they don't want to depend on Medicaid. <laughs> so let's say that that they're not going to depend on Medicaid, and it sounds like what they should be doing when they're considering when they're in the middle of divorce is they should mm-hmm. reach out to their financial advisor. What could people expect in terms of the types of policies that you could get as far as are there policies that you paid for with a lump sum? Are there policies yes. that, yeah. you know, it's a good, monthly good question. Fee? Good question. <clears throat> uh, starting back in the nineties, um, all long-term care insurance was set up for a monthly or quarterly or annual premium. And it was, you paid until you died. <clears throat> so um, there, there was a new design that happened starting in the early 2000s that has, in in my own case and with, with my own clientele, with where I where I'm making recommendations as a count, as a consultant, is to use uh, insurance policies that are uh, it's provides long term care coverage, but it's based on a life insurance chassis, meaning uh, that you're buying a certain dollar amount. Of benefit, and but the policy provides that in the event of a long-term care need, that you can spend down what would otherwise be the death benefit of the life insurance um, on a monthly basis to provide for your coverage. Uh, so <clears throat> the idea might be, well, it's a hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy. If I pay for it and never need the long-term care, the 100000 goes to my name beneficiary, presumably the kids or even a charity of your choice, if that's the, if that's, you know, the way your family situation is. <clears throat> but uh, I have the ability to spend down uh, for long-term care on a month-to-month basis if I need it. That's the much more common form of long-term care insurance anymore. Okay, and so that- it's just a permanent policy that you put a lump sum in up front. Well, it can be a lump sum, it can be an annual premium, uh, or it can be what we refer to as a five pay or a 10 pay. 10 pay means uh, that you know upfront that you're going to pay a premium for 10 years and then you're done. Or five pay would be a premium for five years and then you're done. It can be single pay where you pay it all as a lump sum upfront. Now, that is a situation where typically you're talking about a premium in the six figures. So that may or may not be something that a client is able to do. You may not have those sorts of resources. But if uh, if someone approaches this, you know, 55 to 65 year old, and there are uh, there are what may be a couple hundred thousand dollars of available assets, that's not a bad way to go. Uh, the advantage of the of the single pay, five pay, and ten pay premiums is once you start that policy, the insurance company can never raise your rate. If you do an annual premium where you're paying every year, even on a life insurance chassis, uh, they have the opportunity to raise the rate later on. Okay. But this is a special, and I want to warn anybody too that's listening, this isn't your regular 
you have to have a special policy that's correct. for long-term yes. care purposes. Yes, it's not that is every correct. insurance policy that you that, could that is correct. Yes, it's it's more and more common. And you'll find, for example, if you have an existing relationship with a with an insurance agent, uh, you could ask them about this uh, because many companies now are offering products like this. Uh, but it, it's not necessarily every every contract. And you may have life insurance already in place. But if that may or may not be available for what you have, what might be advisable uh, is a lot of times once people, especially after a divorce, you're going to be re- reevaluating your life insurance need anyway. Uh, you, right. you may have a much reduced need for life insurance. Let's just simply say, for example, you you arrive at uh, at your divorce and you've had uh, three or four hundred thousand dollars worth of life insurance. Because you were providing for your kids, you were providing for your now soon-to-be ex, all right, uh, and no longer need that. Well, maybe what you do is you take that old policy with its built-in cash value and transfer it into one of the newer policies, maybe with a smaller face amount, but using the cash value now to provide for some long-term care coverage. There's, There's some strategic ways of working through these sorts of issues. Uh, that may make it more affordable than you could realize. You may have assets that can be repositioned. Okay. Wow. This is more much more complicated. I do want to point out that people can also obtain a, a long-term care policy where they pay a monthly premium, just like they do for um, a term life insurance policy. You can also get a type of policy that you make a lump sum into a long-term care exclusive uh, policy. So again, it's really important to involve your financial advisor and ask them to give you advice on this. But then I was thinking. Um, there's much more to say about this, but I think probably it needs to wait for another time. Okay. Because uh, uh, there's a lot of things to talk about. I, you know, I think probably uh, many of your podcast listeners may need more information than they have about disability insurance. Uh, they may need information about, for example, um, what to do with a life insurance policy they no longer need. There's a lot There's a lot of risk management issues out there that your people may have questions about or may don't even know that they should ask questions. Right. Uh, well, we right. have to have you, I have to have you back soon. Yeah. And, uh, so, but this was great, Terry. Thank you so much. I really appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing your knowledge, which is so vast with our audience. Thank you. Well, glad to help. Glad to help. Really enjoyed it, and I'll look forward to doing it again sometime. That'll be fun. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. You can find more information on Melissa Fradenberg and Jackie Ressler on our website, www.pearlplan.com as well as on our podcast website, www.wealthyafterdivorce.com.